Chapter 16 of Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley. By Charles Norris Williamson and Alice Muriel Williamson. Chapter 16 i think if sidney vandyke had never taken the trouble actually to hate me he exerted himself to that extent on his wedding day i kept my distance when the others gave the bride and bridegroom a send-off of waving hands and showering rice as they skimmed away in the grail's grice car ready at last but i'd caught a wandering glance or two meanwhile from my new brother-in-law and thanked my stars that heaven hadn't made me some poor private soldier under his command di turned her cheek with the look of a martyred saint when i was supposed to kiss her good-bye and altogether i fancied that i should not be urged to visit in park lane when the happy pair came back in the autumn i intended to be at ballyconnell then but a thousand things were fated to change my scheme and the schemes of all the other unsuspecting mice in england and europe the first thing oh such a small thing compared to those that were to follow which happened after di's marriage was an announcement from father he had proposed to mrs maine and she had been good enough to accept him that was his formal way of breaking the news to me for we had been on official terms only for some days following the wedding though to his darling di he would probably have put it look here girl she's jumped at me hurrah the luck of valley connell's come right side up again and i would have congratulated dear old bally reminding him that third times were always successful of course whenever i stopped to think of it i had told myself that this announcement was bound to come and to come soon but my head had been full as a hive of bees with other thoughts and besides i hadn't realized how i should feel the blow when it fell vaguely I'd taken it for granted that life would go on for me as before. I liked Kitty, and she didn't dislike me, though, of course, Di had been brilliantly her favorite. I had told myself that Kitty and Father would trot off somewhere and leave me free at Ballyconnell to hibernate in some neglected corner, while the place was glorified into a stately British home for an American millionairess then i had gone on dimly planning they would return in state and kitty would be duly honored by a picturesque welcome from the hastily cleaned-up tenants after that nobody would take much notice of little peggy i should be tacitly permitted to play among my books and the peasants i loved the best for whose sake i had been trying to learn the art of nursing 
father's way of telling his news however showed me the truth about myself i didn't feel in the least related to him and i decided to use the month before their return from their wedding journey in finding some other way of spending my life i couldn't make a crowd in that company of two i was nice to father and charming to kitty and all the time i was polishing my brains as if it were the genie's lamp and summoning the genie to bring me inspiration i couldn't be a governess on the strength of languages alone not knowing the multiplication table having to do hasty sums on my fingers and being ignorant of principal rivers boundaries and old dates except that of waterloo was too big a handicap and in sheer poverty of invention i seemed to be driven back to billiken that god of things as they ought to be perhaps it was fate that i had been invited by mrs dalziel to a boy and girl theatre party the very night when i had to congratulate father and wish wishes for kitty which short of a miracle couldn't come true it was only two days after di's wedding but already the event seemed long ago no news had come from eagle and he was referred to in london newspapers as the modest stranger who had disappeared after saving the lives of the bride and bridegroom leaving no trace except a little blood shed in their service the dinner at the savoy and the boy and girl party at the theatre afterward were given no doubt more in honour of milly's count who was starting for petrograd next morning than for me but i was made to feel myself a guest of importance and at the st james i had tony next to me there had been no chance to pour out my news at dinner but now it came and i seized it instantly tony was always nice and sympathetic to tell things to he actually listened and seemed interested which i've noticed that few people do except in their own affairs but the next minute i was sorry i'd spoken for he proposed again immediately i might have known he would you see your whole family's bound to marry americans so i might as well be the one for you he said if you don't take me mrs maine will produce a nephew of hers i know him poisonous blighter and he'll be shoved down your throat sure as fate he's some homelier than me if possible i laughed dear tony you're much too good to be a refuge for the destitute depends on the destitute said he i'd love to be a sort of asylum or young lady's home for you do take me this time and have done with it once and for all it wouldn't be done with i reminded him that's the worst of it it might be the best of it if i played my cards right you know peggy not very long ago as the bird of time flies you said you liked me better than any other fellow has my stock gone down or stands where it did where it did or even a point or two higher i assured him but dear tony 
i'm afraid even that isn't high enough for marriage and fearfully serious things like that though lovely for a dance or the theatre besides i didn't say exactly what you think i said about liking me better than other men oh i know you made one exception tisn't jolly likely i'd forget but you said the one exception didn't count i haven't forgotten that either he looked on you as his sister or his maiden aunt oh not his maiden aunt i moaned i could bear anything but that and i'm afraid after all he does count just in my mind you know not in any other way but he's there and i can't can't put him out i'm afraid i don't want to gee that's a bad prospect for me said tony with a big sigh luckily not audible over the orchestra which was loudly playing between acts you made me love you i didn't want to do it with variations but see here peggy it's just the same with me about you i can't put you out of my mind and i don't mean to there you are what are we going to do about this your best man won't come and play in your backyard and my best girl won't put her nose in mine you'll always be my best girl because you're the best girl there is so here's an idea suppose i don't ask to be best with you and don't whine to be on the ground floor or anything conceited couldn't you spare me a third-story back bedroom in your heart's house just sort of lend it to me you know i'd promise to turn out if you couldn't get along with me as a boarder when you've given me a fair trial of course though dear i don't want to nag at you if there's a grain of chance that the best man the real tenant of the house will ever come to his right senses his right senses i almost laughed why tony for him to like me in that way would be to lose them you don't know who he is tony was silent or do you have you been guessing mayn't have guessed right grumbled billiken evasively and then i knew that he knew the poor little secret i had thought to keep i think you've guessed right i said don't look as if you were afraid you'd hurt me you haven't i don't much mind your knowing and that's the greatest compliment i could pay you it's eagle march of course with that the orchestra stopped dead as if on purpose to eavesdrop and i had made a present of the name to the whole audience but luckily that was all i had given any girl may yell any man's name just as any cat may look at any king all the same my cheeks were hot throughout the next act during which i pretended to be passionately absorbed in the play the minute it was over and forced silence at an end tony boldly said i knew it must be march all the time not that you'd showed it he hurried to add 
you're too good plucked an infant for that and i'm sure he never twigged not he he's not that kind it was only because you saw a lot of him that i thought so and a girl who wouldn't fall head over ears in love with march if he was always underfoot wouldn't have wit enough to know which side her bread was buttered see i laughed again more than before for tony when he meant to be intensely serious was generally funny or me i said there was no butter on my bread nor any jam i'm a fool to go on eating it bare and stale imagine a man who loved die anticlimaxing over to me i can't imagine any man not beginning and ending with you said tony stoutly and i shouldn't have been a human girl if his loyal admiration hadn't pleased me but i suppose you're a better judge of march than i am he went on and so if his name's not down on the program won't you write mine there to be figurative again scribble it in pencil if you like not in ink then you can easily rub it out if you get tired of seeing it always under your eyes what do you mean i asked really puzzled by his allegories why be engaged to me on the installment plan stop payment whenever you want to agreement to be drawn up that way all these weeks you've been trying according to promise haven't you to like me enough to be engaged now instead try being engaged and see whether you can like me enough to strike a fast bargain by and by you might come along to belgium with mater and milly and me they're dying to have you milly wants to bore you talking about her russian and we'll see a lot of each other travelling that you'll know your own mind by the time my leave's up think if i could take you back to god's own country with me as my no i won't say the word i see it shocks you it does i said and even if i did what you ask which would be nice for me but not fair to you nothing would induce me to to marry yes so soon i'm too young unless i loved you perfectly then i'd marry you if i were eight instead of eighteen i wouldn't marry you must draw the line somewhere but if you really think it would be nice why not do it i think it's fair and i'm the judge say yes quick before that darned orchestra stops again you shan't be married till you like even if you have to wait as long as jacob did for rachel not that i know how long that was say yes yes then i shouted over an appalling blast of instruments and tony squeezed my hand that is how i happened to start for belgium with mrs dalziel and milly the day after father's quiet wedding with kitty Maine, and the day before austria delivered her ultimatum to servia end of chapter sixteen
Recording by John Brandon.